Traders Point, welcome. How are we doing? Hey, so good to be with you. Everyone at the campuses, everyone watching online, welcome. Glad you're spending part of your weekend with us. And we are continuing in our series, What the World Needs Now. What does the world need? Any takers? Let's go to the other side. Anybody like, no, I think we're good. Um, it looks pretty good out there. I, I'm completely satisfied uh, to moderately satisfied. Anybody? No, right? The world needs a lot, and so does the church. So what we've been doing in this series is saying what the world needs now is for God to indwell in his people, for his spirit to produce some things in our lives so that we can be and become what the world needs. This is not a series of us pointing fingers out to the world saying, you know what you need? Let me tell you. Everyone loves that person. This is not us sitting on our hands and waiting patiently for Jesus to come back with our eyes closed, oblivious to what's going on around us. This is us with hands open, hands out, surrendered, praying to God, saying, God, fill us with your spirit. Allow us to become what this world needs. That's what the spirit, that's what this series is all about. And to be that, to help become what this world needs, to be that kind of a church, we've said that we can't do that on our own. That only happens by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the power of God's spirit. And there's a phrase that really looks at what does that mean, and it's called the fruit of the spirit. Fruit of the spirit. This is in Galatians chapter 5. It's like when, when God's spirit comes, his, his character begins to show up. His divine character shows up in our lives with something that we could never produce on our own, this perfect fruit. So, and we get a list of this right here in Galatians 5. So take a look. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I mean, do you think the world could use some of this? A little bit of this would go a long way. That's what we've been saying in this series. And just a, one thing to clarify, we see here that the word is fruit, not fruits. So that's a good way to look at this. It's not to look at it and say, you know what, I think I got three of these, and maybe now you have one, and you have one, and we'll assemble together and become like the Christian Avengers, right? No, this is, it's better seen as one fruit, one piece, because God is perfectly all of these things. And love, the perfect love, is both patient and kind, right? Like in, in Corinthians, they kind of tease this idea out. So it's to show that these aren't all separate. They're actually interdependent. It's, it's one piece of fruit. And what we've been doing in this series is just kind of taking word by word each week and saying, okay, what does this side of the fruit look like? And this week, we're going to be looking at kindness. Kindness. And before we kind of drill in on what is biblical kindness, what does God mean when he says that he's going to produce this kind of kindness in our lives, I do want to make a distinction between something, between kindness and niceness. You see, the cheap substitute of kindness that we settle for is niceness, right? 
Sometimes we use these words interchangeably, but even when we use them, I think we're really kind of setting the bar real low. Like when we say be nice, you can be nice. It means to be pleasant, to be kind of easygoing. You can be nice and not be kind. Like I'm on to this southern charm that so many of you guys have. I've realized that you can just say things in a high-pitched voice really quickly that sounds good, but it's really kind of a backhanded compliment. It sounds nice, but it's not kind. Like, hey, oh my goodness, come here. Let me get my arms around you. Boy, you got a face only a mother could love. Come here. It's like, wait, thanks, Grandma, I think. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, be nice is not the same as be kind. Be nice. That's what your spouse says as you're getting out of the car about to meet with some people that let's just say you don't exactly get along with. So you get out of the car and she says, hey, look at me, look at me. Be nice. She's not saying be kind. She's saying don't embarrass me. Don't make this a situation. Go in here and be nice. Be nice. It's the sentiment that we teach kids as they're growing up because they have this unbelievable combination of curiosity and no filter, right? So we say this. Hey, if you don't have anything nice to say, and it still doesn't help, but we say it, right? Because kids will be in the middle of a packed place and look someone dead in their face and be like, why is she that big? Dad, dad, why does he smell like that? Why does he smell so bad? And you're like, oh my gosh. Um, so we say things like, hey, if you don't have anything nice to say, how about you don't say anything at all? Which is great for kids, but I think as we mature, we can mature into the fullness of a word like kindness. And kindness is more than pleasantries. Kindness really is, this is the big idea of it, I'm going to put the needs of someone else, the person in front of me, before my own. When we see kindness in Scripture, it has this wide breadth of all the different things that it could mean and how, how it shows up. It, it's more than just niceness. For example, in Proverbs 12, we see worry weighs, down a, weighs a person down, an encouraging word cheers a person up. So there is that side of kindness that, that I'm going to encourage you, I'm going to lift you up. But there's a whole other side of kindness. Look at this. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. So there actually is this kind of kindness where even if it doesn't feel like this is something nice to say, if it's something that is needed to say, if it is going to make them better, then I'm willing to say it out of kindness. Like I said, in the Bible, kindness is used over and over again. It's translated in different ways. So what I wanted to do was just try to get a snapshot of here's some big ideas of when we see kindness and we see what God's trying to produce in our lives, here's some of it. It's the ability to have compassion for all people. That's kind of like the base level of it, to look out to the world and to be kind, you have to have compassion for them. You have to see their needs and want to put them before yourself. It's the ability to remain tender even when you're met with harshness, right? That's a very difficult thing to do. Most of us, 8 a.m. on Monday, we start kind. By Friday afternoon, 
there's a harshness that is set in. There's this level of, of supernatural kindness that God wants to put in us where we remain tender and we don't become hardened to the world. And then the, this last one, the ability to do what's best for the other person even when you don't have to and when they don't deserve it. Some of us right now are kind with a supervisor and it's not because we believe we should be or we want to be. We're kind to them because we like getting a paycheck every couple of weeks. We're kind because we'd like to get a bigger paycheck. So I, I kind of use kindness in this way. But this idea is, no, no, I'm going to do it even when I don't have to and even when it's not reciprocated. You know, there's, there's a kindness that comes in marriage. And, and I don't know a lot of the details about your marriage, but I, I'll say this, and maybe you might think that I have some cameras set up in your house, but... I could almost guarantee you that there's a lot of husbands who get real kind about 9, 9.15. <laughs> Maybe it's a coincidence, but you ever notice this? Like, hey, babe, I'm going downstairs. You need anything? Glass of water, omelet, um, glass of wine, any, anything you need right now in this moment that I could serve you? Maybe they're being kind because they're just, that's just what's happening. Or maybe... Their kindness is hoping that it will lead to another kind of kindness that will be happening. But to be kind is to be compassionate. It's to be tender. It's to do what's best for the other person, even when we don't get credit for it, even when they don't deserve it. That's what it means to be kind. Jesus actually sums up kindness perfectly in Matthew chapter 7. He says, do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. All that is taught in the law and the prophets. This is to say that all that is in the Bible, all that's being said, that it boils down to this, to treat other people how you would want to be treated, to think first of them. That is what it means to be kind. And once again, this is what God is trying to produce in our lives. The fruit of the Spirit is God's divine character being cultivated in our lives by the power of the Spirit. This is not a work of our own. Which tells us this. God is kind. And the first hurdle we're going to have to get to if we want to cultivate kindness in our lives is to believe that that's true. God is kind. Do you, do you believe that? Maybe you've heard God is love. But do you believe that he is kind? Because over and over again, we see his kindness and his love wrapped together. But maybe if you're here today, you would say, I, I don't know if I would describe God as kind. Maybe it's the opposite. Maybe you see God as angry or bitter or mean or, or even cruel at times. But I can tell you, it is only the work of the devil to portray a kind God as cruel or mean or angry. Because if you look at anything more than a clip, a soundbite, or a verse, if you look at the entirety of the Bible, what you will find is a kind God, a compassionate God, a tender-hearted God who extends himself to us over and over and over again. I mean, think about this. There's a God who is all-powerful, reigning over everything. He could lead any way that he wanted to. 
He could lead by power. He could lead by force. He could demand that we follow him. But he doesn't. Look at how he leads Israel. Hosea 11.4. This is God speaking. He says, I led Israel along with my ropes of kindness and love. I love the picture of that. There's these ropes that God has thrown down to his people of kindness and love. And that is how he is leading them. Out of the life that they've fallen into, out of the life that they've become accustomed to, and pulling them into true life, pulling them into abundant life. But I have a feeling a lot of us have our hands on ropes that are not made of God's kindness and love. So right now, do you feel like God is leading you with ropes of kindness and love. Is that what you feel like you're being brought through your life with? Kindness and love. Or maybe if you're being honest, it feels like you're holding on to some guilt and some shame. It feels like you're being led by anger, frustration, bitterness, resentment. It feels like that's what's being handed down to you. And you're just trying to hold on, making it through begrudgingly. Can I just say, if you are here today and you are holding on to anything other than love and kindness, let today be the day where you drop those ropes. Drop those ropes that you've been holding on to and allow yourself to get to know this kind and loving and compassionate God. Grab onto those ropes of love and kindness and he will pull you closer to himself. He will release you from all of those other things. But we, we have to believe that he is a kind God, or we'll never hold on. And maybe you're sitting here thinking, okay, maybe God is kind for Christians, maybe God is kind for followers of Jesus, but, but he's, he's definitely not kind with me. I mean, I don't even believe in him. He wouldn't be kind to me. I, I've done a lot of messed up stuff. I really think God's pulled his kindness card. He's pulled the ropes back at this point. Look at what Jesus says in Luke. He says, love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great and you will truly be acting as children of the most high. For he is, say it, kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. So please hear that today. Let go of those ropes. And if you're wondering, is there going to be anyone there on the other side to drop down a rope to give me a lifeline? There is. We serve a kind God who wants a relationship with you and will lead you in a kind matter. So God is kind. There we go. Not exactly fireworks, but I'll take it. A little, little claps. God is kind. Here's the question. Are you kind? I think we would all say we'd want to be kind. We would love to be kind. We're kind sometimes. But I'm talking about like an unbreakable kindness. I'm talking like Chick-fil-A kindness. You know what I mean? <laughs> there is not a situation where you can break these people. Saturday Night Live actors break character more than Chick-fil-A employees. <laughs> the royal guard, those people in front of the palace, they break 
more than Chick-fil-A employees. I've never seen anything like it. And I've worked in food for a long time. What's normal is anger. What's normal is frustration. I've seen so much, so many people almost get into a fight through a drive-through window. Like that's what it means to work in fast food. You have this beeping in your ear. You have people shouting and yelling. You're trying to move at super speed. And then you're being met with not the greatest of people. They're in a hurry. They're trying to get something. They're trying to get a Ruth Chris meal for $4.99. And they're upset with anything that is less. But not Chick-fil-A. You can't break them. I promise. You could go there, not today, um, but tomorrow. <laughs> and you, I prom- go to the drive-thru and be like, hey, can I get a taco? Go to Burger King, try the same thing. I guarantee they will make fun of you and your mother, but your whole family. It will be a bad situation. Go to Chick-fil-A and do it. Can I get a taco? They'll be like, oh, well, I'm glad you asked. Hey, listen, buddy, um, we don't have tacos, but we have a, an amazing Southwest salad. I could even put that thing on a wrap for you. It's almost like a burrito. What do you say, pal? And you're like, or, hey, there's actually a Taco Bell across the street. You pull into spot six over here. I'll run over there and get you a burrito and bring it back to you. <laughs> it's like, this is amazing. Like, that's the kind of kindness I want to have. That's the kind of kindness that the world needs, that no matter the situation we find ourselves in, that we continue to produce this kind of kindness. So what is it? Why are we not as kind as we want to be? Well, I just wanted to grab a few things that we'll just call killers of kindness, killers of kindness that I think show up in our lives from time to time. And the first one is this, coveting, coveting. And I I like using the word coveting because it's not a word you're going to use most of the time, right? It's not like you were hanging out yesterday and like, hey, how's it going? Pretty good. Just struggling with coveting most of the time. I mean, (laughs) everything else is good. No, it it is a unique word, but it's the idea of like yearning for, desiring something that someone else has. And allowing that to be what you focus on. And it will steal away all that God has done for you because Kindness is all about using what you do have to serve those around you. And if you constantly just focus on what you don't have, it's going to take your kindness. And it's going to be really hard to be kind to someone that has what I think I should have or it begins to have what I don't think that they should have anyways. It becomes really hard to be kind to them. The second one is competition. I, didn't, I don't think I realized how competitive of a culture we live in until I left this country, all right? About a uh, couple months ago, I left the country for the first time, and I really left the country. I went to Africa, right? Way away. It was a long, took a long time to get there. Um, but went to Kenya on a mission trip. It was one of our partners, Missions of Hope, and real quick, unbelievable organization. Started about 20 years ago, this Kenyan couple that that believed that God placed on their heart to start schools in the slums of Kenya, and they did. So by faith, they just stepped out and started one school. 20 years later, they have 30 schools, over 30,000 kids enrolled. They've helped plant and start 30 churches. And they have a plan in the next 10 years to go to a hundred schools, a hundred thousand students, and a hundred churches. Unbelievable people. 
And you can just see the fruit of the Spirit on them. But I'm telling you, and we got to see the schools and the churches and meet with the staff and the pastors. But if I would have never left the car, I would have known enough about their culture, of how kind they were, how uncompetitive they really were. I'm telling you, in Kenya, there's really, most roads are one lane each way. But they turn them into about two and a half, three lanes going each way. But it is the most fluid thing I've ever seen in my life. Just cars are driving, and then they're just going back and forth. No one's speeding up. No one's not trying to let them get in. No one's, you know, making some signals to them. It's just over and over again. They even, they honk, but it's the cutest little honk. It's not like the aggressive, all your weight on it. It's just like a little beep. Hey, and this is what they're doing. Come on over, buddy. Come on. No, get over here. Get in here. Get in here. It's like they're all helping each other get to the same place. It is beautiful. And I was telling the guy, I was like, this would never happen in my country. He's like, tell me about it. I'm like, okay, it's basically like you're trying to make sure that they can't get where they're going. And if they make a mistake, you make them feel like the worst person in the world. I'm telling you, I was back not even a week. And I was on the side of town. I usually don't drive in. And like the lane split. So I ended up being in a turn-only lane. And I needed to be in the going straight lane. So I put my turn signal on. I'm trying to get over. There's a guy behind me who's trying to get into the Kroger and starts laying on his horn and yelling out the window that I am the dumbest person in the world. That's a PG version of what he was giving me. And I just looked back. And I was immediately brought back to Kenya of like, man, you would never make it in Kenya. You just don't get it. But we will not be kind if all we see people as are competition, that we're trying to take their spot, we're trying to make them make sure that they will never catch us. It's just like this cutthroat culture that we live in. But I'm telling you, if we can embrace this idea that I'm not competing with you, I can do my best and I can encourage you to do your best. And there is actually plenty of room on the top. There's this lie that we believe that there's only room for one of us. There is plenty of room for all of us. And if you actually take this seriously and you become kind and encouraging with other people, serving them, chances are you will actually move forward faster anyways than you would by just trying to hold everyone back. But competition is one of those things that steals our kindness. We won't be kind with people that we're trying to compete with. And, and the last one is convenience. Man, convenience can kill some kindness. Because here's what happens with convenience. When our lives get built around convenience, we become self-absorbed. We become just worried about being able to do what we want to do when we want to do it. Our lives become about doing it the most efficient way possible so that we can get back to our driveway, open the garage door, slide in, get into our sweatpants and enjoy a show and push everything else out. I'm, saying, I'm not saying that there's not use for convenience, but convenience is a tool. It can't be the ultimate thing, right? Like I, I put systems in place that are convenient for me so that I can do the things that really matter and I, I can get the most out of them. Because, but hear this, though. The path of least resistance never leads to kindness. The path of least resistance never leads to kindness. So if, if our lives are all about efficiency and convenience and making it easy on me, it's never going to put me in a place to want to serve the person in front of me because it is never convenient to be kind. 
It is always going to cost something of me. My time, my resources, my energy, all of that. So what we're saying with kindness is actually I'm going to place convenience down a few pegs for me to be able to be kind. If convenience is ultimate, kindness will always be last. So those are some kind of killers of kindness. So what about the other side? I mean, we've already said that, you know, it is only God that can produce kindness within our lives. True kindness, biblical kindness, divine character kind of kindness. But we've also said that there is this collaboration between us and God. He uses the word fruit. So we can think about it even here with like earthly fruit, that with farmers, right? There's a collaboration. Of farmers work really hard. They plant and they water and they protect and they do all those things. But at the end of the day, they also need God to provide what only he can provide. So there are some things that we can do this week to help cultivate and help partner with God to produce this kind of fruit in our lives. Now, I just want to give you a few things that we can all do this week. The first one is pray for it. Often the one that gets missed is the one that we need to start with the most. Pray. Pray for kindness. And I just wrote a quick prayer. It's something you can take a picture of. You can write it down. Use this this week to set up your days. Before you go in and before you're met with some unkindness, make this prayer to God. And here it is. Father, lead me with ropes of kindness and love. Produce in me your unending kindness. Show me a need that I can meet today and give me the courage to see it through. Keep my heart tender throughout the day as I offer it in loving service to the world. Start each day. If we want to be what the world needs, we want to be kind. Start each day asking God to fill us with his spirit. To produce that kind of supernatural, unbreakable kindness in our lives. That's the first thing we can do. The second thing we can do is create a list of all the ways God has been kind to you. Once again, these things, I'm telling you, there's so much power in them. Just to take a moment and to say, God, how have you been kind to me? He's been so kind to us. He, he woke us up. He allowed us to go through our day. He gave us the friends that we have. He gave us the family that we do. He gave us the job. All good things, all gifts are from heaven. So they pass through his hands to get to us. So how is he kind? Oh, he's forgiven us. Over and over again, he's extended his kindness to us. Thank you. He's provided a way for salvation, for eternal life. He's been so kind to us. I'm telling you, if you just sit in that, that time in prayer, asking God for kindness, and then spending a little bit of time just creating a list in your mind or on paper of all the ways that God has been kind to you, you will begin to overflow with kindness. And here's where that leads you to. Find someone to be kind to every day this week. So many missed opportunities. I know in my life and in yours as well, just a moment of kindness, a text message, an email, a lunch, a coffee, just a moment to share with someone what they mean to you, how they are inspiring you. And it's not even just on the encouraging part. Remember, faithful are the wounds of a friend. It could be something that you're going to sit down, and it's going to take a lot out of you, but it's the kind thing to do. You're going to call a blind spot out in somebody, in grace and in truth and in love, but, you, but you're going to do it to be kind to someone. Any, I mean, 
if you're in that prayer time and you're asking God to produce that within you, I'm guessing he's probably going to bring someone to the surface that you could be kind to. If he doesn't give you an exact person, a specific person, just find someone that's breathing. Everybody could use a little bit of kindness. Life is so hard. Our inner critics are so loud. A little bit of kindness will go a long way. Find someone every day this week to be kind to. And here's what you're going to need if you're going to do that. Have a plan to be kind. Have a plan to be kind. Once again, convenience will take the driver's seat unless we have a plan for what we are going to do. I'm in prayer. I'm asking for it. I have a name. Okay, what is my plan? How am I going to do it? Am I going to buy them coffee? Am I going to take them to lunch? Am I going to send them a really long text message that I'm kind of mad that I got, but it's also pretty great? An email? Am I going to do the unthinkable even? I'm talking crazy here. Call them on the phone. <laughs> You're probably going to have to leave a voicemail or send a text message to have them call you back. But just for them to hear your voice and to hear the kindness and the love on the other side of it. Have a plan to be kind with people in your life. And then here's the biggest challenge, and it's the most kind thing we could do. Share the gospel with someone. I don't care what you do with your life. The most kind thing that you will ever do is share the good news of Jesus with another person. It carries the most weight. But we have to be in a place where we are seeing other people, doing for them what we would want them to do for us in a spirit of kindness to share the gospel with, with others. That Jesus is the kindness of God personified. That is who he is. And in Titus chapter 3, kind of sums it up perfectly, wrapping up the good news and the kindness of God together. Look at this. It says, but when our God, our Savior, revealed his... I'm telling you, once you begin to see God as kind, you see it over and over again in the scriptures. Savior revealed his kindness and love. He saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life throughout the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior, because of his grace. He made us right in his sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. Come on. That the kindness of God is wrapped up in the goodness and the good news of Jesus Christ. That it has always been God's kindness that has drawn us in. It is not what we have done or what we will do. It is his kindness. And I love the way Romans 2 talks about this. Because, because he has come. He has done everything. He has initiated. He has led us with it. But look at this. Romans 2. It says, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't, can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you away from sin? That God has come close and what he's used over and over again are these ropes of kindness. I love the way that the message translates this verse. It says, God is kind, 
but he's not soft. In kindness, he takes us firmly by the hand and leads us into a radical life change. This is the good news, that those ropes of kindness and love became flesh and blood in the form of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And it is now not just ropes, but it, is a, it was a hand reaching out to draw people closer and closer to God. And I want us to see the order of this. It is the kindness of God that leads people to repentance. It leads them to turn away from their sin. It is not the other way around. It is not repent. It is not turn. It is not act better. Then you will receive the kindness of God. No, we saw this earlier. God is kind to the unthankful, to the wicked. It is while we were still enemies that Christ decided to die for us. We cannot get this order wrong with ourselves and with other people. It will be the kindness that leads them to God. Jesus modeled this perfectly over and over again during his ministry on earth. He was kind to people that no one was kind to. He was kind to people that no one would even associate with, like prostitutes. These women that have been marginalized, women that have been pushed away, no one even looked and made eye contact with, and he would sit with them. There was once he was sitting with this woman, and all of these religious leaders around him said, if he really was a prophet, if he knew who he was sitting next to, he would not be sitting so close to her. But he sat with her, and he met her, and it was his kindness that led her to repentance. With lepers... Not even just people that they wouldn't look at. They wouldn't touch a leper. They would cross the road. They would move as far away as they could. And everyone was keeping a distance from them. And it probably felt like God was too until Jesus came. And he began to touch the untouchable. And he healed them. And he, he drew close to them. And it was his kindness that brought them to God. It was him taking him, them firmly by his hand and bringing them into that life change. It was the kindness of Jesus. And maybe one of my favorite examples of this is with Jesus and Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was, he was this chief tax collector. He was a very corrupt individual. He exploited the poor. He exploited his own people to raise the taxes, to line his pockets. He was hated by everyone. No one would talk to this guy. He had chosen a team and he chose the wrong one. He was the worst of the worst. But he still had this want. Even though he had all this money, even though he did very well, he still had this yearning for something more. And he heard about this Jesus who was going from town to town and healing people and meeting people. And I'm guessing he probably thought if he could meet with all of those kinds of people, if he could even meet with prostitutes and lepers, then maybe he would even meet with me. But all I want to do is just, get a, just to get a sight. I just want to see him. So Zacchaeus, he runs ahead and he does what little people do. I, I understand this for those of us that are, you know, a little vertically challenged. You got to get up higher. So he climbs a tree and that's where he is. And I'm guessing never in a million years did he even think that Jesus would acknowledge him. But as Jesus is walking and crowds all around him, look at what Jesus says. Quick, come down, you goober. I must be a guest in your home today. 
Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. In great excitement and joy. You do not run to a God unless those ropes are love and kindness. You don't come with excitement and joy to shame and fear. No. But when it is love and kindness, you come in excitement and joy. And that's exactly what Zacchaeus did. And it says, meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half of my wealth to the poor. Lord, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Notice the order. It was the kindness that brought him to repentance. And then look at how Jesus responds. Salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save those who are lost. You know something that will make it a lot easier to be kind to people that you don't understand? People that don't believe what you believe? To see them as lost. Not as evil or bad, but as lost. You're much more kind with someone that is lost. And Jesus met Zacchaeus. And over and over again in the Gospels, we see that he met people over and over again. And it was the kindness that drew him in. It drew all of them in. So what I want to challenge us with this week is to go in kindness. To go and and to begin to see God, to see people the way God sees them. To have compassion for this world, for your heart to break. To ask God for that tender heart so that you can remain soft with other people. That does not mean that you are soft but that you can remain loving and kind no matter the situation. That you won't look for what you're gonna get out of it or how this will better you, but you've laid down that cutthroat lifestyle of competition and said, I'm here to serve you. It is the kindness that will draw people. I'm saying as we go here, let's bear that fruit of kindness. Let the first taste of kindness that people receive this week be from you that you can be that type of a person. No matter your background, no matter if you're saying, I'm the furthest thing from kind, God can produce his kindness in you, even where there's been no kindness. So what I wanna ask everyone to do at all of our campuses, just stand to your feet. And what we're gonna do is we're we're gonna pray together and then we are gonna worship And then our prayer is that as we go from here, we unleash the kindness of God. That's what the world needs. And by the grace of God, he can produce that in all of us. And if you're here today and you're saying, I want that, I wanna step into that kind of life. I want that kind of kindness. I wanna know what it means to be loved like that. I wanna love others with that kind of kindness. We just want you to know we're here for you. We're gonna have people at all of our campuses at the front of the stage that would love to meet with you and to pray with you and talk about what it looks like to step into a relationship with Jesus, to step into those hands of kindness and love. Would you pray with us? God, we thank you so much for today. God, we thank you for where you've brought us. 
Father, I, I pray that you would lead us with ropes of kindness and love. God, that you would cultivate within us a supernatural kindness fused with compassion and tenderness and genuinely wanting what's best for the other person. God, help us to be compassionate as you are compassionate. God, I pray if there's anything in us that is killing our kindness, whether that's coveting or competition or convenience, God, let this be the line where we just, let this be the moment where we lay it all down. God, if we've been holding on to any ropes other than love and kindness, I pray that this would be the moment through the power of your spirit that we could let those go. Those are not leading us to love. Those are not leading us to kindness. Those are not leading us to a fruitful life. But God, allow us to grab hold of you. God, thank you for lowering down that rope. Thank you for lowering down your hands and pulling us firmly into the life that you have for us. Cultivate that kind of kindness in us, Jesus. Bear that fruit within us. Jesus, we surrender it all to you. And we believe all things are possible by your spirit. Jesus, it is in your perfect name that we pray. Amen.